Hey all. This week we're joined with some friends from the Film Strip podcast and we cover a movie that has some content, subject matter and visuals that are a little inappropriate for young eyes and ears. As a result, there's some content in this episode that is most definitely not family friendly. If you've got young ones around, I recommend pausing now and listening to us later or hold off until next week. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Welcome back to another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that is determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year, though I have to admit, the closer we get to Christmas, the easier it is. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. <clears throat> and I am Ron, a.k.a. President Hot Dog. And my name's Jay, and I'm from Film Strip Podcast. Thanks for having us on, guys. Hey. Thanks for coming thank on. Thank you all for coming on. Y'all have, have an awesome podcast. If listeners haven't checked it out and you want to hear some, I mean, just have your mind blown by the sheer amount of knowledge that these guys have about random, obscure movies that you've probably never seen, I'm telling you, it is hours of entertainment. Um, there's always a good recommendation for a movie to watch and uh, you know even like listen, watching your listening to your episodes for movies I've never seen before it's just a lot of fun thanks we try to have a lot of fun with it it's we've been doing it for almost 10 years now in some form or another and you know it's That's just awesome. sitting around talking about movies with your friends and we were lucky enough to have Anthony and Julia on last holiday season to do a little review with us and then Tom you and Anthony will be coming up on our end of the year special with the film strip this year so uh lots of fun there we've already got that in the can but yeah it's it's a blast we you know we all met through the internet and uh started talking movies and i don't know one day i turned a recorder on and learned how to use audacity and that's kind of the story of film strip is just why not you know it, i still can't get my head around audacity <laughs> I you can actually thank Arnie Carvalho at Venganza Media for that because before I started my own podcast I worked for him and I, I edited a lot of the 2009 2010 now playing stuff that you hear has got my name somewhere in the credits for cutting it up and I learned two things from that how to use audacity and that I would never edit a podcast that strictly in my life when I started one <laughs> so uh yeah uh film strip grew out of uh the art of slaying which was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer review that uh, my uh, co-host and I Brian did we did every episode of the show over a few years and then we just started doing a movie podcast on the side and then 
you know, Brian did them and we had different co-hosts on Ron came along the way because his wife and I are friends from way back. And she was like, you really need to have my husband on. And he and I got into a Twitter argument about American Ninja one day. The next thing I know, Ron's on the show forever. And that's <laughs> what I love. And so yeah, Ron's been on for a good while. And our other co-hosts have been, we we've expanded the family in 2020 here. I think we've added three new people to the show, which is a lot of fun. So we, yeah, that's we awesome. just kick around and talk. So yeah. Now y'all covered the same. Y'all covered the same movie we're going to cover tonight with Anthony and Julia. So, if and you I like would like to you hear, if you like what you hear, head over to Filmship Podcast for the Rare Exports episode. I uh, I listened, so I have a preview of what we're going to have tonight, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and it's, you're going to learn a lot more about. Just to be honest, you're going to learn a lot more about the history and stuff of, of, of rare exports probably from those guys whereas ours is going to be a lot more opinion and, and walk through so it's a good compliment episode even if you I would like, like to it, say that anyway. uh, yeah seriously <laughs> I would like to say as well Jay mentioned I was on both New Year's Evil and rare exports episodes I'm the virus part of just a podcast <laughs> that you cannot kill I will always be there <laughs> <laughs> yeah rare exports yep. i can tot- my entire history with it is all because of president hot dog over here uh, because <laughs> that was his dude he was like we need to have the tis the podcast people on i was like i'm down this sounds like fun let's let's do some you we as i said on that show and it is our tradition at film strip ever since ron joined that we do some sort of like christmas horror trash at the end of the year because it's just it kind of is it our brand it's sort of film strip and um he said hey I've, I've got it i know what we need to do we'll have this podcast on for this and i had no idea what he's talking about i turned on prime watched the trailer for this and i was like oh i'm sold yeah i don't know i don't know what this is like jurassic park meets krampus in the snow with red dawn or something whatever i'm down let's do it had no idea what i was getting into and so i watched it last year twice for the review that we did with with anthony and julia and then i ended up watching it twice again for this to come back because i hadn't hadn't come back to it and i was like i need i need to watch rare exports again and so uh yeah I, i fired it up and and got to watch it and uh yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff. But again, I I give all credit for this movie being in my life to President Hot Dog Ron Hogan here. Thank you. Uh, I think we all do, don't we? Absolutely. I'm kind of hesitant to give Ron any credit here, but I will concur. <laughs> you don't really have a choice, Anthony, because I, I I know what I've done, and and I know what I, the punishment I deserve, and. It's to talk about rare exports yet again. Except I really enjoy the movie, so it's not a punishment. So your punishment is to go out in the snow with just a shirt on and your underwear and cut a switch, so I'll punish you so Santa won't come and get you. That's what your punishment is. So I got a story about being outside. I got two stories about being outside in my underwear in the snow, if y'all want to hear those, or we can uh, just keep going on. That was a lost bet, right? No, no, no. Not a lost bet, just my friends didn't think I'd do it, so I was... uh, Sitting outside underneath my grandparents, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the thing? Thermometer. And it's like negative 22. And I was sitting outside of my boxers just to prove to my friends I could do it. And the next time Green Day came to town, and uh, I wasn't terribly excited about seeing Green Day, but the Get Up Kids were opening up for them. I don't know if you all know the Get Up Kids. Oh, yes. Mm, big fan. Just yeah. so you know, uh, this week 
was the 21st anniversary of Five Minute Mile and the 23rd anniversary of Something Right Home About. So there we go. We feel old. Anyway, the radio's like the radio station was, you know, tell us the, the most ridiculous thing you'll do for free tickets to see Green Day. So I called in and they're like, oh, uh, you want to see Green Day? I'm like, no, no, I'm calling for, for the Get Up Kids. And they said, uh, so what's your idea? And it's Tulsa and it's snowed recently. So it was slush and ice. And I told uh, 1045, The Edge, Julia, that I would stand outside of their, their big building there at 41st and Sheridan in my boxers, holding a sign, nothing but my boxers, holding a sign that says, I'm the illegitimate love child of the Reverend Jesse Jackson in the snow. And I said, okay, that's the most ridiculous thing we've heard. Come on down and do this and you're going to the show. Apparently between the time I left my house and I got there, because um, I was on the phone telling my friends, you got to come down and check this out. I'm going to do this stupid thing and get free tickets. Um, a girl called in and said, okay, that's an awesome idea, but I'm going to take it further. I think he needs to put peanut butter in his hair, and I will eat the peanut butter out of his hair if, if you'll give me the tickets. <gasps> so there I am in the snow on the side of the highway holding a sign about being the illegitimate love child of the Reverend Jesse Jackson while a girl licks peanut butter out of my hair. It was a great show, though. It was worth it. So I'm just going to interject here and explain exactly what just happened to our listeners. Not only did we force y'all to watch a film with tons of old men, naked penis, but you also had to visualize Tom in his boxer shorts out in the snow with peanut butter in his hair. I'm sorry, listeners. This episode is a rough start. Tom was in much better shape back then, so it probably would not offend many people. <laughs> For the Get Up Kids, it's better this way, Tom. I, I, would, say, I would say... <laughs> pay- I would say Pixar can't happen, but that's something none of us want to see. <laughs> I got it. I get my mom to send the pics from, from Wisconsin. Confession, was... I'm so glad I grew up and was in like bands and did all that stuff before camera phones were a thing. Just putting that out there to the world. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have, that's, why, that's why there's no picture of me having the peanut butter eaten out of my hair. But uh, I do have my roommate from college who still brings that story up pretty regularly. I mean, was it the hair on your head or was it somewhere else? That's the important Nope, it was question. on my head. Oh. Okay, <laughs> okay, Ron took it there. I just want the record to show. <laughs> oh. Julia's like, I have to come up not- with an excuse to get out of here. <laughs> not all of us, I feel not like all of us tortured every time I'm near this show. We all know. Well, see, with Anthony, there's no surprise. Anthony is, is extremely modest today. Usually Anthony's wearing a deep V and just chilling by get on <laughs> anthony I, owns the deep bees i i mean the t-shirts it says i'm an hour ahead of you i'm after, as soon as this ends i just hop into bed and so i'm in my pajamas when we record and i mean i have nothing i have nothing to hide i'm italian everyone knows the stereotypes about italians the deep bee is italian tonight <laughs> sorry huh? go ahead I was just going to say the deep V is Italian formal wear. <laughs> deep V in a tracksuit. Yeah, exactly. I just, I, just need, I just need to put on my golden chain. Yes. <laughs> For the record, Ron, I told my parents growing up that if they had let people call me Tony, which they never did, I'd be a whole different person right now. I'd be like the, bron- the bronzer and the gym rat. Like. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's basically like Jersey Shore, right? 
Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be uh, fist pumping my way onto this podcast every week. You know how it is. <laughs> I don't think you would be. I don't think you'd be on this podcast. At least I wouldn't be on it with you. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Jersey Shore, every time Melly sees Halloween decorations, she talks about how suki it is. What? <laughs> so it's suki. Not, she, it's not she suki. Can't get, she doesn't get the poo, the, the poo. She doesn't get the pee out, so it's just suki. <laughs> uh, my friend Rebecca, who listens to the show, Rebecca Ball, she still teases me all the time for that Jersey Shore thing that came up on the show that time, where I said I didn't watch it, and Sarah chimed in from the other room, and outed me. We'll never that. Ron, did you did you catch that one? I did catch that one. I, okay. Uh, that was great. <laughs> that, was that was everyone's week this week, y'all. I can't believe it's like Wednesday. Right? Yeah, it should be a Thursday. Well, Thursday, th this is one of those special weeks where at least I'll get to talk to y'all twice because we're recording with Todd Killian on Thursday. Oh, yeah. That'll be fun. Oh, well, we did, uh, yesterday, we had a fun socially distant trip to a local farm to pick out a pumpkin. <gasps> oh, and that's fun. Yeah, did you so, carve it yet? No, I haven't carved it yet. Um, but uh, we went, we took the baby, we got some plenty of cute pictures of her, like, marveling at pumpkins and, and or trying to pick them up or just, like, touching them and saying, orange, orange. So <laughs> so the the primary goal was to basically get some cute fall pictures. Uh, the secondary goal was for me to finally get out of the house for the first time in, like, eight months. And, uh, and a tertiary goal was they do uh they're just like a farm where you go and you pick your own fruit or vegetables or whatever like a you pick farm and then you just pay for whatever you buy but they also do they make their own apple cider out of the apples that are too ugly for people to buy and the apple cider is amazing and they also make their own apple butter so i went and got a big thing of apple butter and a big like half gallon of like raw apple cider that's incredible and you know had a nice day out on the farm and got lots of sun on my face <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I see a little say, bit Ron, of pink. You look a little pink. I do have to say, Ron, your daughter's adorable. So I never checked our a podcast email. So I didn't realize right after you sent us that Christmas in July recording, you sent us a video of your daughter singing Jingle Bells or something. Yes. I was in my email the other day, like emptying it out. I was like, huh, what is this? And I was like, oh, wow, I seem like a dick. I never replied to him. <laughs> and he said this. <laughs> but it was uh, an adorable video. <laughs> She's so it was cute. She oh is goodness. so cute. Now, my question about carving the pumpkin: Are you going to use a knife, or are you going to do it like a man with the power tools? Uh, it depends on if I've got like a clean enough knife. I prefer to do it the old-fashioned way with a knife and hands. Me uh, too. I like doing I, it with the Dremel. I like doing it with the Dremel. And I, I could probably do a better cut with the Dremel, but there's just something about stabbing that thing with a with a sharp preferably shiny butcher knife that just it brings out my michael myers i guess yeah i try to recreate the opening to halloween five which is a lousy movie that has the coolest pumpkin carving ever put to cinema uh, at the beginning of it it's like they got like this ginsu expert to just cut the absolute hades out of a pumpkin and it's it's awesome i mean it's the best thing in the movie 
One of my favorite parts about the new Halloween was how the original pumpkin reinflated at the beginning. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was it really cool. From trash to something good, which is the reverse of how that movie goes, just for everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we all we all can say in here, like, the whole preposterous idea that podcasters would have $5,000 in cash to give somebody, please. <laughs> so, oh, that's fair. Maybe I mean, Doug loves movies, but... There there are some true crime podcasts I can believe that of. You know, yeah, probably say, yeah. I, I don't know, though. I know the Gen Y guys. I don't think they roll around with that kind of dough. So, <laughs> but who who are listening, you can tell me otherwise, but, you know. I mean, I felt vindicated in our hobby when they got murdered by Michael Myers. So I was like, right? oh, okay, yep. I mean, at least he could have done was subscribed first. And then killed them. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe, subscribe. It'd be great if you picked up the phone and, and it's like. So, speaking of weeks, it was been a week at work. We had fifty-five layoffs, including my boss. Oh, <gasps> oh no! Wait, isn't this the boss that you were not compatible with? No, no, no. That was one of my managers. This is the, oh. her, the boss he likes. Their manager. I mean, yeah. not that that makes it better, but. So, kind of in limbo, who we're reporting to and stuff. Yeah. But Does that mean you don't have to work? <laughs> I wish. Does that mean things are on hold for your working? It, it, it means Julia has to give me that job at the bank, like she keeps promising, but I have to move out to Oklahoma first. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm up to Tulsa. It would make recording a whole lot easier. It really would. It look, your bank is looking for some wayward career counselors. Just holler at me. No problem. <laughs> Julia, let's face it. If I moved to Tulsa, I would literally be like Chandler in Tulsa. You would be. Yeah, I think we, that's right. I'd be out for the holidays and the Tulsa marching band would march on TV and Thanksgiving. It's Tulsa! I know, man! Go Tulsa! <laughs> we do have an awesome free place, free amazing recording studio with all the professional equipment we need that we could all do in one place if you moved here. Just saying. Are you talking about your house? <laughs> no. The library downtown has a podcast, has a music recording, music and podcast recordings area you can do for free. I didn't know that. That's cool. You think that our recordings go on long now? They'd probably go on forever if we were in the same room recording around, recording and goofing around. It would be fun. That's half the fun. Like, I've had a chance to record in person with one other person on film strip, and it's Nick because he lives like 20 minutes from me here in North Carolina. So he and I've done a couple of shows like over at his house and it's a blast. I'm like, I wish I could get more, you know, get everybody in the same room. Half of the people on my show, I've never even met. I've only seen them through you know, the, the digital screens. So. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can say the same thing. No, it's not. We yeah, I can. Well, I, I was, I was saying like in we general, out, all the guests we, with all the guests we've had on in general, we've never met any yeah. of them. Yeah. It's pod vanity, man. That's just how it goes, right? Yeah. Beautiful, I mean, that's what's beautiful about the digital era. Although I, I do, I will say, I'm put, I'm pushing big time next year to get Tis the podcast a strong showing at Christmas Con. I mean, I may meet Todd this year. Todd said he may be in New York around Christmas. 
So I don't have COVID, so don't go near him. We can't have you getting COVID. No, we cannot. But Tom, I was told not to be afraid of COVID and that I will feel 20 years younger if I get it and recover. So you'd feel like you're like eight years old? Is that what we're getting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I feel like I'm 11 years old. <laughs> oh, such an what? old person. <laughs> Speaking of 11-year-olds, could you imagine being that age and the only one who knows about this, this evil that's being unearthed across the street from your house and nobody listening to you to stop it? That's what's happening tonight as we cover the only finished film I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I, think, I don't think I've seen any other Until, until we covered the sequel. And, well, but yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen that one though. Uh, 2010's Rare Exports. And uh, I'm going to give a quick plot synopsis and then we go through history. Uh, and there's a word in here I can't pronounce, so I'm sure you'll figure out what I'm filling in. <laughs> in the you should have gone depth- the... You sh- you should have gone the J route and done your your research prior to recording because he. Killed I did, it. I, I did. I can I can say it, but I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna say it right, no matter how many times I listen to it multiple times, and my finish is just abysmal. So, in the depths of some mountains between Finland and Russia, lies the closest ever guarded secret of Christmas. The time has come to dig it up. This Christmas. Everyone will believe in Santa Claus. So, so you're just, so just going to read the. Uh, I just the yeah, that's what I said. I'm doing the, that's all I yeah. That's all I'm doing on this one. Then it's okay. time for one of us to give our our synopsis. So I don't know if uh, Anthony or Julia have one. If not, I can a, do it. A little boy. Uh, two little everyone boys. Co- two little boys. Everyone comes to believe in Santa Claus, only to discover that the big man in red actually just runs around completely naked with his penis flapping about, and it. That's not him at all, dude. Those are elves. I know. I know. Okay. So, buried deep within the, this mountain range between Finland and Russia, about 1,600 feet down to be exact, lies the believed tomb of Santa Claus, but not the holly jolly Santa Claus we believe in. No, no. One who eats and desiccates children. Horns. Big as a truck. It's not until they get down there that they realize Santa may really be watching you when you sleep. Yes, Santa's still alive. And as this company soon learns, so are his elves. Not the cute little elves that we've come to know. Oh, no, 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 no. Geriatric nude men with beards (laughs) down to their knees everywhere. Not yeah. long enough to cover their dangling participles, though. <laughs> Not long enough on the beards. Can one little boy knows the truth of what's happening? Can he convince his ta- dad and their small town that they need to raise up and fight Santa Claus? Or will this be the Christmas from hell? So I was getting serious Krampus vibes and you see Santa stuck in his tomb with just the horns. Holy cow, those horns? Yeah. yeah. Me too. And uh, okay, so let's do histories. Let's guess go first. Well, I guess Jay did his history, right? Sort of. Yeah, I mean, I, Ron brought this to oh, me when definitely. we were going to have you guys on the show and 
It's been a part of my life. I've never forgotten it. Uh, and not just because of the elf dong, but a lot of other things in the movie <laughs> as well. I just want to put that out for the record that that's not why I remember this movie. I actually remember this movie because of a character that I will later describe as Finnish Brian Cranston, but we'll get back to that. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. I said the same thing to my wife. I was like, if this were remade in America, Brian Cranston right there. <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, I discovered this movie because I saw the trailer on Netflix in like, I don't know, 2011 or 2012. It was fairly early on. And I, and I said to myself, you know, I should watch that one day. And then that one day kept getting delayed and delayed. And then when we finally uh, fooled the Tis the Podcast elves into coming on our podcast, I said, I know, we should watch Rare Exports. They're never going to talk about this on uh, they're never going to talk about this on their show. So let's just have them come and do it on our show. Cause our show is a safe place to talk about finished penises. And that's the kind of talk that doesn't fly on a family friendly uh, Christmas podcast. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, how about you? How about, how about you, Julia? Yep. So Ron brought this into our lives. Um, it's, I had seen it out there for a while, um, probably the same place, right? Like either Prime or Netflix or wherever. And the cover art was always kind of captivating a little bit, right? I was interested. Um, didn't watch the trailer, just remember the cover art. Ron mentioned it, watched it for the podcast there, and watched it again for ours. I'm a fan, I'm a big fan. Very similar history to Jolio's. Ron brought it into the, our life when he invited us on Filmstrip to cover it. Uh, I knew it was out there, seeing the cover art. Unlike Julia, I did not find the cover art captivating. I was like, this looks like cheap garbage. But <laughs> I really liked the movie. It was beautiful. Beautiful. And watching it for the show tonight, I can say I liked it even more than the first time. Although I will disagree with Jay. Uh, it stuck with me partly for the dong. I couldn't get dong in a Christmas movie out of my mind. And when I finally bleached it from my mind, it came up on our schedule and now it's back in there. So <laughs> Thanks, there are so many ways that I could go with this right now. I feel like Anthony made that too easy. So we're just going to let that go and I'll jump in. Yeah, I, I did make it easy. I was hoping, you know, that we, was we so didn't record last week. I was waiting for like some trolling, cheer me up a little bit and you're letting it go. Okay. We'll just, well, we'll just I, leave that hanging there just out for the world <laughs> to see and we'll move yep. on. Make sure Anthony was sure to, to give us some low hanging fruit there too. We did notice how low-hanging that fruit was, Anthony. Oh, my God. Please don't use that phrase. I, I have Look, one. Ron's a great writer. I've never known him to leave so many dangling participles in a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in Julia, the show. Julia, do you want to get your dig in now? The three of them did. Do you have a fourth, like, innuendo? I have no, I have no digs. Julia, I like the most. All right, so I missed the recording with the Filmship podcast and heard about it several times it came up. And I decided to watch this movie at some point uh, in the last year. And then I listened to the Filmship podcast today uh, after I watched it a second time with my wife. 
Uh, Christine doesn't always watch the movies with me. Sometimes Ellie does. This one felt like a much more Christine-appropriate movie to watch, so we did it after she went to bed. Um, and, you know, in her words, I was surprised I didn't hate it. But I could have used a little, I could have used about 40% less naked old man. Um, <laughs> she didn't mean the number of naked old men. She meant the percentage of what you see of the old men. Or... No, no, no. <laughs> I, think she, I think she wanted them to be wearing at least a loincloth or something, you know, for reasons uh -huh. that feel somewhat obvious to me. But I, I have to say, I appreciate the fact that they didn't cheap out with a loincloth and they were just like, you know, we're just going to stick your, we're just going to rub it right in your face. Well, I don't think this was clearly made for American audiences to start with, because again, they weren't worried about like offending American sensibilities, where again, you can have all the violence and language in the world, but nudity, that's where we draw the line in America. And then they realized, no, this could actually make money in America, but we need to tack on three minutes in the beginning where we make this seem like Jurassic Park or Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. And we'll speak in English and then we'll just, with no transition whatsoever, boom, right into finishing subtitles. That's what this movie does. Uh, let me hop on, yes. let me hop on that and say it was definitely not made for American audiences. American audiences cannot handle male nudity. And I go back to seeing Watchmen in theaters. And I guess yes. people who didn't know anything about that comic going in, the first time Dr. Manhattan shows up on screen and he just has his blue thingamajig hanging out the entire movie, the first time you see it, like the audience burst into laughter. And I'm sitting there like, this is a rated R mature comic book film full of a theater full of adults and we're laughing like little 11 year olds here like american audiences just don't do male nudity so when you see that in this movie it's very clear it was not made for americans though in the loincloth debate i would have preferred instead of loincloths christmas wreaths down there that way you get Lord. more of a christmas oh, vibe but you still get the full picture that's not where I want my Christmas atmosphere. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know who else didn't can't can't understand why American audiences don't get male nudity? Michael Bay, because that second Transformers movie, one of the Transformers has like clear <laughs> testicles. So like, oh, the second one, pyramid. yeah. And yeah. That audiences rejected that, oh. rightfully so. <laughs> um, <laughs> audiences that, that just, just reject Michael Bay straight across the board. Shay, so, wasn't Michael that the Bay. same Transformers movie where the little transformer like yappy puppy dog was humping megan fox's leg there's that one yeah there was the one that was speaking a very offensive version of ebonics yeah that was yeah. the let's the, that was transformers the let's offend everybody that was the name <laughs> of that movie yeah excuse me i was just transformers. transformers let's all scream our dialogue um as somebody who's a transformers fan i was just offended by what michael bay did with transformers in general uh i actually liked the first one after that you would but... The first one was not bad. I, I don't care what yeah, people was. say. The first one was not awful. It was terrible. It's still Michael Bay. You don't need explosions just for the sake of explosions when they don't make sense or even look good. My memory of the first Transformers movie was watching my wife laugh at all the people geeking out in the theater about it. Not watching the movie. She was more entertained by everybody like, <laughs> enjoying the movie than, than the actual so, movie. So. so I was working at the movie theater that summer, and uh, I must have seen the end of that first Transformers and Spider-Man 3 billions of times waiting to clean the theaters or ripping tickets to get all the nerds coming in like, oh, how was it? How was it? I'm like, eh. <laughs> okay. Go have fun. Oh, I'm I'm gonna throw out a joke here, and feel free to cut this out. But uh, we we know that this movie wasn't made for American audiences because none of the elves were circumcised. 
Uh, that's also true. That is the, that is our blooper reel at the end. Does that mean Ben Shapiro would approve of this film? Then? So, <laughs> well, well I don't know. Well, approve because that's not kosher. All oh, I know wow. is that the makers of this movie clearly are Pepsi drinkers because there's some straight Coca-Cola hate in this movie. When Juso realizes and he finally gets like the book of whatever Toth to, to learn about, you know, what Santa's evil nature is. And and he looks up and at the camera says, Coca-Cola was alive. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is like a moment, and I called it the reverse Linusing moment, just in your 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 vein. So then, then he comes around on it, but he does have a reverse moment there. Tom, there's the title of the right, Coca Cola was a lie. Coca Cola was a lie. That's good. That's gonna be it. All right, so let's go through the credits real quick. This movie is written and directed by Jalmari Helander, who is a Finnish director and writer. Most known for rare exports, he's had some other hits um, that just didn't don't have the cult following here in the states uh, that rare exports does, like Big Game, The Fakir, and a show called Wingman. Uh, nothing I'm terribly familiar with. This is by far the uh, most uh, the thing I know him from most. His brother Juso, who is also the name of one of the little boys in the movie, is also a writer and they write together as a team. So all the stuff that uh, Jalmari has done, Juso has helped with. Our stars are Oni Tamila, who plays Pietra, Pietri, uh, the main boy who goes to find all this bad stuff and knowing what's, knows what's going on. He was also in The Big Game, same directors apparently like him, they've used him a few times. But again, he's done some short stuff, nothing that we're familiar with. Uh, in the, that I'm familiar with or that I found really much talked about in the States. Um, Reno, his dad, is played by Yorma Tomilia. So um, he, again, most well-known for rare exports and another in the big game, also known for a 1996 Christmas movie called The Christmas Party. And if y'all have not looked at that cover yet, I'm going to pause recording. I want everybody to go to IMDb and look at the Christmas parties from 1996. Is this safe on my work computer? Yeah, yeah. It's just a little disturbing. It's more naked men. It's just for Julia. <laughs> so we're going to have to add this one to our list as well. We got to cover this one because it just looks completely we, out no, there. No, hold on. The, the description of this, Mike is getting out of prison. <laughs> After serving yeah. four years. And Bona is arranging a party. A Christmas party. <laughs> uh, you know that one's going to be good. That's, uh, yeah. That's well, well, Ron, that here, might have having... to be Christmas in July and y'all come back over to film strip. I was just about to say, <laughs> we, may have, have this to may, we may be starting a tradition of having the film strip podcast on for all of our finished Christmas movies. <laughs> 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 uh... We'll schedule that the week of Julia's birthday as a birthday present. Oh. Amo is played by <laughs> Tony Corpella. Tony Corpella um, has done a lot more movies than the other guys, but again, they're all finished, so I feel bad. Uh, I will say that IMDb only has one naked man butt on all of the movies he's known for covers. So um, 
take that for what it's worth. He's got a bunch of movies in, port, in post-production, but again, nothing I've ever seen. Have y'all seen any of this stuff? Mm-mm. Okay. Can't say that I have. Uh, you know, that's going to be the case for the rest of these guys. So why don't, I have a feeling this going to be a long episode anyways. Why don't we just jump in? <laughs> I'm going to feel weird saying they were in this one movie and none of their other stuff. So we'll just jump in. All right. We have this amazing opening scene, which just like was just like uh, Jay said, it feels like the beginning of, of Jurassic Park. This could have been cut out and put into Jurassic Park with uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum coming in and warning us that we're, we're messing with nature, right? So that's the only thing it was okay. missing to make it more Jurassic Park-esque. Life uh, finds a way. Finds a way. <laughs> They're, they're, this isn't my favorite part of the movie. I found it to be. I found it to be boring. I find I found the beginning of this movie starts very abruptly, like very abruptly. I mean, like it's boring it starts... because they're they're boring down and pulling out earth samples. It was a joke. Boring. Oh, I get it. Good one. We got it. We just didn't laugh, but we got it. Well, let me keep explaining it to you until it's funny. That's my assumption. If people don't laugh at my jokes, they just must not understand. Uh, no, so they, they, while they're boring into the earth, they're pulling out these samples. Um, this scientist comes in and he's talking to the guy who's running the operation. He's like, you know, you're right. There's something down there. We found the sawdust. And they can't figure out why they have sawdust. And the sawdust is... Uh, they thought maybe it was old trees, but it's it's not. And they were saying it was what fifteen hundred feet, four hundred eighty six meters down. Mm-hmm. And he shows this perfectly preserved sawdust, and that's where we all learn that that is how they used to preserve ice, covering it in sawdust, keep ice from melting. And I learned something today, which is good. And this is also when he goes totally like <laughs> mad scientist here at the beginning. You don't know what this means, and then he gets all yeah. buggy eyed and excited, and mm-hmm. yeah. The best part is when he starts going, now make sure nobody breaks the rules. And I, I didn't really, really, you don't really get what that means until they get into the movie, but it's like Santa's got like 10 demandments or something. And if you break any of them, bad stuff is coming your way. It's like, you know, if you, you look sideways at the wrong person, you curse, you did whatever. And make sure to wash behind your ears. Happens. So what? Make sure to wash behind your ears. Yes, yeah, you got to do all the like um, Andy Griffith stuff, or else you, you will be <laughs> visited all manner of horror upon uh, while we try to uh, unice this uh, monstrosity. It was, well, I mean, it was see, crazy. I mean, we the, see what happens when you break the rules. It, it doesn't end well for you or your attachment to your own head. Oh, <laughs> I'm. Let's let's I just mean, real quickly like, explain like what the rules are. What the rules are, the safety rules, and these all personnel working at the site must abide by these rules of conduct. Any attempt to break these rules may result in your death and or the death of your coworkers. Deliberate leg- negligence will result in immediate termination of employment. Thank you. Which I love that this may result in death. But if not, you might get fired. Like the firing is is the lead it should say it should result in termination because anyway. There's no drinking, no smoking, no cursing, no loitering, no cavorting, no arguing. Uh, the loitering thing seems a little bit weird, right? I guess. I guess. Seems Santa out of place, doesn't, like, doesn't it? Don't be lazy. He doesn't like sloth. So, yeah. I guess that's falling <laughs> the sloth, right? Right. Right. Slavish, slaven behavior. Um, 
So I have to ask you, and maybe now's not the best time for our Tom, but what did you think about, you know, we know you have strong opinions on Santa because of his connection to St. Nicholas. How does this stack up in your... Uh, I'm looking at it as a... I'm looking at it more as a Krampus story, like a, a, a an opposite Santa. But that's just me coming up with something to justify why I like this movie, despite the fact that I usually dislike <laughs> negative Santa portrayals or married Santas. But basically, least, it's just basically it's just Santa. basically it's just sheer hypocrisy that I like this movie. Sure. See, I relate it to the Bill Goldberg classic. Right, Santa Sleigh. Santa Sleigh, where yeah. for Eon, Santa has to be good, but every now and then he gets to be his real self, which is Satan. That's what I, I kind of tied it to with this, was that it was just, you know, every now and then we get to, we get to unleash the Kraken, and this was the Santa Kraken. Unleash the Krampus? <laughs> yes. Although, the Krampus. And I mean in the 1981 Ray Harryhausen way, not lousy CGI Sam Worthington, you I act like a wooden piece of tree way. <laughs> yes, I said have, all that together. So. They should have seen had Sam Worthington into a real actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have. So we get that. Then we 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 see that these little boys, these Finnish boys, are watching, and they don't understand what's being said because it's in English, and that is our hard stop of all English for the next hour of the movie. Mm. The boys run off. Just about. Yeah, until we, get the, until we go back to the radio. Yeah. The boys run off, and our star is, he's really scared about this. He knows some, they've, they've done something, they found something wrong. When he goes home, he starts researching, and because he thinks Santa's buried there, and he finds all of this. Where these books came from in the middle of, of nowhere, Finland? <laughs> I don't know, but this kid has like 20 books on, on evil Santa mythology. Dude, well, Amazon gets everywhere. Even in 2010. <laughs> uh, okay, that's fair. Speaking but, of fin- Finland, can we admit that the cinematography is beautiful? These sweeping shots of the snowy mountains. Yes, this movie, this movie beautiful. looked and felt more Christmassy than I don't know how many movies we've covered. Even though yeah. the only decorations are those janky lights that the kid has, those contrasts mm-hmm. in the snow were beautiful. Mm-hmm. Everything Absolutely. about the film was beautiful. The music, yep. the score just takes you on a beautiful journey as you're listening to it. It was just mm-hmm. on fleek, as the kids these oh. days say. I don't think they're saying that anymore. Why? The, the, uh, the thing, though, with the janky Christmas lights gave me more of a Christmas feel because yeah. it's clearly like uh, these are a bunch of reindeer herders. They don't have any money, and yet mm-hmm you know and yet the uh piatari and rauno are willing to we've got this string of 30 lights we are going to hang this out we are going to be as christmasy as we can living up here in frozen nowhere yeah and i'm going to make gingerbread for my dad so i can kind of bring him back to the christmas spirit you know that was such a touching moment yeah so it was actually really touching between the father and the son. Like, it's very heartwarming. I have to give my wife some props. She immediately, when she saw Pietari's clothes, knew he was Finnish. And I was like, so you didn't she think did. Sweden or anything? She's like, no, that's Finnish. That's definitely, uh, uh, those are Finnish designs. So I got to give her some props. 
<laughs> my wife has a fairly she has a she has a fairly deep um, obsession with Scandinavian artwork and culture. But the kids' clothes looked so Christmassy, it wasn't even funny. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a weird thing to note, but it just felt he felt like a real little boy at home, right? They didn't make him up doing to be too much. He just felt like a kid in his room. Something about him just felt very natural through the whole thing. I mean, he's right there in between, right? Because he's got the friend who maybe is a year or so older that has or like, yeah, you're a baby, you still believe in Christmas. And yet he's trying to be a you know big kid, but he's also dragging around like the little bear or whatever he's got going on the string, which I still don't know what the heck that it, is. It was very leaving the beaver. He was like beaver was and the was Eddie Haskell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked I, about I, that stuff, Dana Mole, briefly when we first were on with you. And I remember being very confused. I think a few of us said it was kind of like the gun on the mantelpiece that was never used. And we're like, I don't understand. Like, why did they dangle that the whole time? Um, it was this watch that Phrasing. I realized he drops it outside of that hanger before he walks in and that's him becoming a man. Yeah. It's kind of like that last time. <laughs> it's kind of like Just when um, a lot of naked men is very distracting. Well, you use the word dangling. I think it's like comes in yep. with this movie but uh dro- dropping it outside the hangar before he goes in very linusy when he drops his blanket and becomes comfortable enough during yep. the christmas special to tell the meaning of christmas like an adult does so and i think so it he helps goes, that, that you had like an actual father and son mm-hmm. yeah uh, pairing i think that yep. that helps a lot yes yeah that chemistry was real yeah can't fake it. I like the I liked how the dad can't really it, it's another thing. The guy at work and I were talking about, you know, how different things are today and we as as fathers can be have an emotional connection with our kids. We can be real with them. We don't have the these these uh, external factors that that dictate how we interact with children and what makes us men. But his dad very much does. And you can see that when he asks his dad, well what would happen if I just disappeared, right? And the dad looks away and you see the tear in his eye and he's trying to let his son know like this scares the freaking crap out of me the thought of you not being here anymore i like that dad moment i really did Mm -hmm. and i also like his socks a lot we saw a lot of dad socks from back angles they just look like really comfy socks i mean they were like functional too right like you could tell like this is a man that could go and slaughter reindeer for hours in the snow and yet his feet would be dry and warm uh, which we we know is important um so i like how though he's dad, trying to protect the innocence of his son though too because when his son first walks into the slaughterhouse he's like daddy's working close your eyes and talk to me and i, I was like that. and they're just hacking up the big piece of meat yeah mm-hmm. i mean like that i don't that, have time he, for your nonsense he had yeah when he was asking him questions uh, related to santa but he's just i mean the the, the tooling he uses and the sheer force at I, I, we know how much it would probably take to, to dismember and, and whatever a pig, but man, the brute force he's putting into that to try to, to try to cut it, pretty intense. Maybe uncomfortable. Had, I hate animal, any animal killing and death. On then stop eating them. You know what? I don't, I would not survive if I was a hunter. <laughs> well, if you can't kill it and you can't, can't watch it, just don't eat it. I, I, I didn't say they weren't doing it for the right reason because they were not killing it for sport, but they were, it's just hard to watch for me as an animal. So, lover. 
today our today in Oklahoma we hit a whole new high with the number of COVID cases. Again, our, our governor doesn't want to be issue a mask mandate. Says personal responsibility, and then instead of dealing with the problems in our state, he goes hunting and kills a bear. Like, who wants to kill a bear? Sorry if y'all are hunters, but they're beautiful animals. They look a lot better without a bullet on them. And it's not uh, even that good eating. It's yeah, not good. It's, it's real not good greasy. Meat. Really? I don't get a reason to kill a bear. Like this. I don't, I don't get the bear killing. Like those, those jerks. I'm sorry, Tom. In Alaska, remember the ones who went into the hibernating cave and killed those cubs mm-hmm. and they got caught. What? Yeah, they were hibernating. They killed the mother and then like the camera caught. Like it's awful. Like they put warnings on the video. You can't see them killing, but you hear the baby bear screaming. It was awful. And then you don't see. See, cousin, look, I I grew up in in the deep south and things. And every hunter I knew, the one thing I knew about them was they were not cruel. There was a right. reason that they learned how to hunt, yep. and most of them learned how to hunt like my dad did because that's how food got on the table. Because they right. were farmers' kids, you went and that I could understand and shot them because that was all you had. And, and that I understand, that. and I understand yeah. it in this movie too. Like use yeah. it, but like the people who do it for sport, that yeah, I that's, will never that, understand. You know what you do for sport with a gun? You go to a target range, and you can have a lot exactly. of fun with it. You know, but exactly. Like the way you don't think. hunt for it sport. is a lot of you fun. hunt for food. So yeah, but okay. Now, now that we put aside the PSA for a minute, I do want to talk about though that because we haven't mentioned it yet. I, I dropped it earlier, but the the look of Yorma Tamila. That is finished Brian Amazing. It is mm-hmm. it is Walter White with the full beard, the full <laughs> hair. All he needed was an M60 in the back of an old Oldsmobile on a garage door opener. And it was, we, we were it was like the finale of Breaking Bad when he's in the remote winter location and, hiding and out. I haven't decided like- in my head now that Walter lived and moved to Finland and started over. <laughs> started a new <laughs> family. Walter and- lives is rare export. <laughs> He was so just, I mean, everything about him and the, all the men in this are just like, no nonsense, going to kick yeah. some butt. Yeah, you got prepared. It may or may not be in the thing, you know, as the helicopter pilot, the Norwegian. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, looks just him. like him. He does. So. Uh, I will also say about this movie um, with that whole no nonsense thing. If there is a zombie apocalypse, I want to be with those men. Oh, that's yeah. my that's my team. I don't want to be with our president who hides the uh, the the zombie bite. He stays around everybody anyway, you know. I want to start my own community and rule it like a dictatorship, like the governor or Negan. That's what I would do. <sighs> but you'd have to have people willing to follow you, Anthony. That's the problem. Anthony, you're gonna try it, and somebody's gonna <laughs> shoot you. You know what? I can be very charismatic when I want to be. I mean, maybe Tony can, but I don't know about this Anthony villain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if Anthony's pulling a governor, he's gonna have to go Tony on us. But you think Oliver Stone's son will make a, a faux uh, historical conspiracy theory movie about the, the overthrow of Tony? <laughs> so, <laughs> the coup. <So>. Hey. <laughs> That zombie apocalypse, perfect time to reinvent myself. Anthony died <laughs> with the outbreak. Tony was born. Tony lives. <laughs> you can reinvent yourself the way Sylvester Stallone says and over the top. And you just, when I turn the head around, it's a switch. And, you know, I'm a different person. I can go from a truck driver to being an arm wrestler. Yeah. And have you seen my son? He's really annoying. 
<laughs> is Tom just being really still, or did he freeze out? I think we broke Tom. <laughs> I think Tom. Oh, I think stroke. he is frozen. Yeah. Sometimes he's just really still. It looks like the bent neck lady. Oh. No, he he dropped. He's <laughs> like the bent neck. I lady. think I've seen that in um, every Zoom-based horror movie I've watched uh, this year. Host, so. by the way, Host is great. It. Yeah, Host uh, is incredible. While we're waiting for Tom, can I just say to you guys, I think I found the next movie you guys have to come on to the podcast for next year. What? Yeah. Killer Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas in the Dark. Okay. Dark Christmas in the the Dark. dark. (laughs) Uh, On a snowy Christmas Eve, former mild-mannered college student Casey Smallwood is released from prison after serving 10 years for underage drinking. Eager to get out of town, he hops on the express train to Washington, D.C., but after the Holiday Express takes off, it's hijacked by an angry gang of domestic terrorists and highly intelligent government-trained raccoons. Not one to back down from a raccoon fight, Casey joins forces of the porter on the train to fight the terrorist animals. I'm, I'm tired of these monkey-flipping raccoons on this Monday to Friday train. <laughs> that what you say? If you watch the trailer, it literally looks like stuffed raccoons, like they like they were taxidermy raccoons fighting yeah. these people. It oh, looks amazing. I uh, yeah, that's so old. Uh, I'll watch any piece of crap. So I'm, I've been okay. trying to get Ron to do Thanks Killing Three with me for years. We don't need to see part one. There is no part two. Let's well, this is apparently it. part two. There's I saw. No, yeah. <laughs> So and the tagline for this movie is just when you thought it was safe to say Merry Christmas again. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh my. I mean, if nothing else, it's more inventive than every Hallmark movie. So Duh. there's that. There you go. True. I think somewhere every Hallmark writer is a big fan of that like house shopping show where like my you know part domestic life partner is a part-time yoga instructor. I'm a barista three hours a week. Our budget is 1.8 million dollars. Yeah. Yes, that's where yeah. nobody does any real work in any of these no. your movies, and they live in these. There was one my wife was watching last week. This woman is like a she works for like a fashion consultant for some boutique that Vivica Fox is running or something like that. Uh, I've seen York. that one. And yeah, the ridiculous apartment this woman lives in, and she talks about her hard life. I'm like, well, downsize one because that's probably like a three million dollar apartment. Yeah, move to the Bronx, <laughs> and all of a sudden yeah. you'll you'll have. Enough money to do whatever you want. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, is, I'm serious. I watched that. I, was, I got suckered into watching it with it, and I was like, none of this makes any sense at all. Like, I know you got to suspend disbelief a little bit, but, like, at some point, you bound your movie in the reality of life, then it should have some reality. I mean, at least admit what you are. Lifetime does. They did a whole weekend of killer cheerleader movies. So oh, <laughs> I did text Ron about it. And I was like, you, you need to be watching these. I don't have cable anymore, man. I even got rid of sling. Oh man. So yeah. uh, the only reason I have cable is this time of year, then I cancel yeah. it and then get it every year. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of cable, Anthony, I've, I've refrained from putting all of my walking dead content into the discord, but there's plenty of it. I shall look it up. Did, I thought did, the finale was actually pretty decent. Yeah, I thought it looked uh, it's the best CGI the show's done in a long time. Uh yep. from the from the crowd shots of the the zombies just surrounding the hospital it looked great. 
So I only, speaking of Walking Dead, since we sort of talked about it a few minutes ago too, um, Saturday night, I finally got to a point in my life where I could watch the episode where Glenn dies. (gasps) Wasn't it awful? Wasn't it violent? That's why I haven't, because I was like, I don't, I can't do this. I can't, I can't watch this happen. And then I finally watched it happen. That was a brutal episode. That's still like the most brutal. I'll freely admit that I laughed and clapped. Of that when shot. Glenn died? Uh, well, the shot of his head all deformed and one no, of his eyes was bugging out after he was like, Mur- the bat. Ma- Maggie, I'm yeah, gonna find I, you. I cackled and clapped my hands like a child because I was like, that looks so cool. That is such a cool appliance they put on his face. <laughs> I watched Rampage over the weekend on TNT. Man, does That's Jeffrey a white D. Murray... gorilla one? Yeah, based on the video game. Remember the old video oh. game? The arcade game? Based on but, the uh, novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> but man, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, is he, does he just play Negan and everything now? The way he talks with that swagger, the lean back he does. And I feel like he's just Negan in real life now. I think that I think that as an actor, a lot, especially for like a method actor, you get stuck doing that, that same stuff. And it's like Andrew Lincoln. Andrew Lincoln is never going to sound like uh, Love Actually again. He's always going to sound like Rick because he spent 10 years with that accent and he will not be able to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board with watching Killer Raccoons too. Yeah, Dark I just bookmarked it because I was like, oh yeah, this is that. Star <laughs> right there. Yeah, we're doing that. Go on. I, I'm, I'm opening up the film strip 2021 doc right now. That's just going in the pile. <laughs> Tom, Tom, are you there? I am. You survived. Well, for now, I may lose it again. There's an issue, I guess. We we thought you got killed by some sort of Zoom ghost that we uh, brought up during some sort of seance. Either that or Toby came back and finally got revenge on us, Ron. For all yeah, the, Toby. the shade we threw on it. Yeah. <laughs> the we just finished our five years in the making... Um, Paranormal Activity series. Yep. <gasps> Y'all got around to it? We are dropping six episodes December the 14th. You're going to get the whole series on one day. So. Wow. Whoa. I'm excited for that. I the whole can thing. honestly say I love that for original one. We, there's six we, of those? We have a lot of fun with those. Yeah, there's, there's six of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> By the time it gets around to the fourth one, we, we were pulling no punches. <laughs> How What's much- funny is we recorded like the first four before Ron had a kid. Nick didn't even live in a house. <laughs> I forget where I was at the time. And now it's like, one, it sounds completely different, but two, like everybody's in such a different place. <laughs> it's such a weird. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a long time ago. That was one of those like, awesome, when yeah. we were trying to finish it. I think it's when Nick moved to North Carolina. I changed jobs. I don't know, we had a lot going on. We just didn't go see it in theaters. And then I had actually seen it. And I texted both of them like, eh, maybe we don't need to finish this, guys. It's not that good. <laughs> so It gave me a renewed appreciation for um, the marked ones, though. Yeah, you know what? That is a good that, – that's actually a fun – I really liked the Mark one. Mark, that's a fun one. I applaud this demon's uh, commitment to diversity. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there, there still weren't any black people. So it's not that well, no, 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 no. They talked about them. 
They just said you don't go two blocks over because that's where they are. Oh, that's right. Gosh. Yeah, it's the Lost Mags or whatever these guys were. I'm bringing in my shield knowledge now. Uh, were, were all, but the, the smartest thing about the Martins was the whole GoPro. Like that, they finally oh, yeah. could have a reason to explain away why everybody has a tank camera on the whole time. <laughs> anyway, sidebar. Tom, you're losing control of this conversation. I'm letting it happen, and I'm just gonna. This is pretty much gonna be an, a mostly unedited version of the episode because I feel like with our friends joining us, it just gets better and better. That is true. In other words, you don't feel like editing it, so you're just gonna let whatever happens. That, happen. That's also <laughs> true, and that and then people are gonna co- keep people are gonna point out on Monday. Tom, you left in a few curse words. There won't be curse words. I cursed twice accidentally already. Yeah. One time. One time I let a curse word in. One time. At least I don't boot people out of Discord. One time. No, well, if we're going to keep bringing it up, I'm going to keep bringing it up. Uh, what did you think of the Santa suit? I liked it. I actually found the picture of him, and it's actually in my background when he's in that cage. I really like the Santa suit. Mm-hmm. Other shoulder. I really love the the Santa robe look. I think that's yeah. Such a cool, I do too. Me it's, too. It's such a, for lack of a better word, it's just like a Scandinavian look. I Doesn't Santa feel Scandinavian? The, the Santa the Santa myth that we have just feels Scandinavian. He's got the reindeer. He's got to be up somewhere over around there, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the reindeer and all. They, yep. they don't have a lot of reindeer and turkey that I know of. No, I don't Ron's, think so. Ron's onto something, though, because the suit is the Coca-Cola myth. The Santa myth is the robes and the flowing piece. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's kinda, true. I dig that, too. It's a cooler look. I mean, it's, it's kind of like classic. That's one thing I really like about um, Santa Claus the movie and the Christmas yeah. Chronicles. They have the robes, not the suit. So, Jay, might this be another stab at Coca-Cola here? Some Pepsi love coming out in the Santa suit? Could be. <laughs> I don't know. Could be. I mean, look, I, I I maintain that these people like Pepsi. And I live in North Carolina now, which is Pepsi country. So maybe it's just on my brain. But it, it occurred to me <laughs> watching this again that there's got to be some reason to just, like, specifically drop that. Of course, the reason why is because everybody knows what it is. But in my head, I'm like, maybe somebody, maybe the director's like, it's true as a Coca-Cola. You know, I don't know why it became uh, whatever that was <laughs> for a second, but uh, yeah, for I, I'm some from reason, this Texas. movie became directed by Paul Prudhomme, the Cajun chef. <laughs> I'm uh, so I'm from Texas, and Pepsi people who order Pepsi, their order is usually um, preceded by, "Oh, I'm sorry, we serve Pepsi products." <laughs> See, around here, you just know, like, again, in North Carolina, most everything is Pepsi in, in the restaurants around here. So it's just, in it's just Houston, getting used to. In Houston, everything's Coke, regardless yeah. of what you want. If you want a soda, it's a Coke. Mm-hmm. I mean, first time I went to Wisconsin, um, when I was old enough to order something for myself, and I ordered, I said I wanted a Coke. I asked what kind of Coke they had, and she, mm-hmm. she brought me a Coke. Like, yeah, anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've got another question. So in this, well, in this movie, he's trying to prep his dad. They go to look for the reindeer. Um, and we don't really know what's going on yet because they're, they're reindeer farmers. So they're trying to get all the reindeer into the pen and hold, and they're going to slaughter them. 
we learned that what they're anticipating is $85,000 in reindeer meat. Um, that's some reindeer money right there, y'all. Yeah. But they only see two scrawny runts come when they're supposed to be all the reindeer um, moving, the whole, the whole herd. So they go look to see what's going on. And they're just, I mean, they're just eviscerated all over the, I mean, it's, it's carnage. It's reindeer slaughtered. Carnage. Yep. It is. Reminds and... me of Weird Al's song when Santa <laughs> kills all the reindeer after he goes crazy. I love that song. Yeah, the Night, the Night Santa, Santa ran crazy. I love that one song. One of my favorites. Yep. Yeah. I'm surprised that hasn't been made into a special yet on something. <laughs> but while they're looking around trying to figure out what it is, Dad's getting angry, wants to go, you know, just like like storm this compound, um, and. The boys are like, no, we can't tell. You know, if, if you tell your dad what happened, I'm going to beat you. He knows that they're going to be in trouble because they're the ones that clipped the clipped the fence. Little do they know. I mean, I <clears throat> maybe I'm wrong. Well, we'll get to that when we actually reveal what they are. But there are all these dead reindeer, and the the the, the they've been dead for too long to harvest the meat from. So it's just a, a sheer a, an utter loss. Mm-hmm. And they decide to shoot the lock and go up to the the area where they're mining. They're supposed to be seismic researchers studying you know the uh, seismic shifts and 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 the, the plates of the earth i'm assuming but when they get up there there's just this giant hole i mean it's deep <clears throat> 1500 feet deep we, we know and uh they don't know what it is they're very skeptical it's been a, the whole place has been evacuated everybody left in a hurry there's still food out they left the doors open so everything's iced over mm-hmm. when they throw the 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 flare down the hole, you can't see it land. So they're like, oh, well, there goes that idea. They don't know what it is, but they don't trust these people. And while they're there uh, looking around, because, you know, when there's a weirdly a suddenly abandoned place, you do nothing but let your child wander around wherever he would like to go at this time and do what he wants. Uh, well, Tom, uh, Tom the thing that occurred to me watching it this time was they come out at night mostly, mostly. But that's what I felt like they were aping was aliens in there because you show up and it's like everybody just left all of a sudden. And that's, I mean, I, I don't know that that's true. I'm just saying that was the feel I got off of it. And I didn't notice that until this time watching that's it. funny, like, dude. Oh, it's kind of an aliens you know, rip. I just feel like yeah. this is a part of the world where, where you have a lot of free range kids. I mean, you just I, give I'm the kid a rifle and, and let him go off into the woods and have fun. Yeah. No mothers. That's yeah, why. no mothers. You Not a that. single woman in the entire episode, <laughs> in the entire movie. No women. No nope. women. Um, uh, also, no my no no. There's no diversity in this cast whatsoever. I mean, it's Finland. You have is, it's Finland. The closest thing to diversity you have is clothed versus unclothed, right? It's <laughs> a dividing uh, line. That's for sure. But yeah. Piatari gets this this boring map where they see where they find the hole where Santa was and takes it back and tries to use that to to um, to convince his little friend that that the use Juso use Juso that that this is Santa Claus and he still doesn't believe him and tells him to be quiet and early on dad had set up a trap to catch I'm assuming he was trying to catch wolves is that right mm-hmm. so he put a pig he put a pig head and put an apple that he had partially eaten inside of the pig's mouth and hung it up over this area where he made these sharp pointy sticks in a hole where you would 
-hmm. just feels very, I know it's a real trap, but it just reminds me of cartoons from when I was a kid. You know, you set up the, <laughs> you dig a hole, you put, you put something over it, somebody falls in and it's always funny. Um, and when he goes very out Looney Tunes. the next morning, yeah, very Looney Tunes. There's a man down there. He doesn't tell his son, has a son go back to the house. Friend comes over, they pull out this dead old dude, take him in. When they go to cut off his arm, he moves and he's not dead, despite the fact that he had this stake going through his through his head. It was through his face. Yeah, it's through his face, and he also had one in his abdomen, right? There were a mm -hmm. couple. Yeah, he and he was impaled in multiple ways. Yeah. He dude was dude should have been dead. They go along, he comes alive, bites a guy's ear off partially, and is very excited around children so uh, yeah that was Kitari a little bit of a creepy around. moment can i just say <laughs> when, when when the kid comes in and the the old man the old naked man gets excited i i felt a little strange i was i didn't know <laughs> that should not and when that happens a good father would not take your child to an, ex, an excitable old man at children especially after the old man had gotten what had woken him up was him smelling a child like that was creepy yeah. right uh, so he engages, they end up tying him up and they realize, oh, we've got Santa. And then some, some walkie talkie that they stole guy starts talking on it. One of the guys knows English. They tell him we have Santa and we'll sell him to you. So they put him in a, in a, they trap him. And when they do what I found to be quite odd, they go into this, this place to negotiate with the guy and leave creepy old kid sniffer, kid sniffer in the back of the vehicle with the kid. Uh, here, stay here with this creepy old man that we found. But he's in a cage. I mean, the old man's not going to bend That's, the bars and leap out of the cage, hopefully. We saw the reindeer, though. I guess, I guess it was only... Uh, the, not everybody saw the footprint. It was only... Uh, uh, the dad. Piatari, who saw the footprint that it was a human that had killed these these. Yeah, only Piatari saw the footprint and only right. Piatari saw the footprints outside of his window his window where this guy's creeping and looking in mm -hmm. so during all this time Piatari ends up finding down in the hole as well a, a wooden kid and mm -hmm. takes it back and you know this into his house um he starts calling around and all of his friends are missing so he's putting two and two together when they end up going to Yuso's house, he finds the same creepy sleeping doll in the bed. Uh, but dad and, and friends have a plan. They're going to sell this, sell Santa for $85,000, which is what they thought they were going to make off of the reindeer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they go to meet, they go to meet, you know, creepy old Jurassic Park founder guy. And uh, they're going to do a trade. And he realizes really, that, that, then he tells him this is not Santa. This is one of his elves which um, again was kind of a depressing thing for me. I don't like the idea of my Santa elves being old naked dudes. Can, can I ask a question about the elves real quick? I've got a few too, so you kick us off. Okay, so it occurred to me this time watching this, and it's because I've recently watched both of the troll movies, that the elves <laughs> in this movie are <laughs> trolls. And they kind of have troll-like capabilities like old billy grub you know like the sniffing of the kid and the whole bit yeah and i yeah. wondered i wanted to ask y'all like what you thought about that is elves as trolls they really are they're, they're very primal right i mean they they have these weapons to attack but as soon as they get thrown a gingerbread cookie they drop their weapon and go for the food it's like whatever <laughs> they, that's they just what is needed 
Huh. Yeah, they're tr- they're trolls. Trolls love going around naked. I was waiting for one to fart glitter like in the animated tr- <laughs> trolls movie. <laughs> no, I see it. The, the sniffing especially gets me, right? That's Yeah. That movie, those trolls movies are terrible. Ah, uh, now you say it. Just go back. No, he's not talking those trolls. He's talking I know, horror film trolls. I know, but I brought up the other trolls, and then that's when you said that. I was no, no, just I'm, making... I said, it could okay, also be like, if you take Warwick Davis out, it could be a little leprechaun-ish, too. There's a little bit of that. <laughs> like, how easily they're distracted. Like, early on in the Leprechaun series, and I know this because I have reviewed all of them um, <laughs> one time or another, you could get you could get away from him by throwing your shoes at him because he's a, a hobbler and he has to stop and shine the shoe uh, in front of him. So it's a way that like oh Jennifer gosh. Aniston escapes with her life at least twice in that first movie. Oh my gosh! But anyway, yeah, elves is trolls. I, I didn't catch that you know when we reviewed it with, you know last year, and so watching it this time, I was like, ah, the elves are trolls. Okay, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't hadn't thought about that. <laughs> what are these, where were these elves trolls guys they, there wasn't enough space in the hole from the from the the, the sheet that uh, Pietari brought out so where were they where'd they come from see I took it that they were like the uber vamps in season 7 of Buffy they were just under the hell mouth just in groves like ants and the more you dug them out the more they would come That they were just kind of there waiting <laughs> I feel so, like they were a thing that was awakened when they found Santa Claus and unearthed him from the hole. Yeah. Now he they, needed to be protected by his elves. They sprang yeah. forth from whatever, yeah. you know, like uh, golems or whatever. They just came out of the earth. Or, or they could be naked. like the scarab beetles in the the mummy movies when Arnold Osloo gets pissed off. You know, mm-hmm. and they just yeah. come out of everywhere. But there are a lot of these, and they realize yeah. that they're all. They, they, they go to sell who they think is Santa. He's not Santa. We learn. He's one of the elves. And so the creepy scientist from Jurassic Park tells us to follow all these rules, to be quiet and be kind. And suddenly we're, we're bombarded and, and we're becoming overwhelmed, flanked by all of these naked... They're getting, we're getting flanked. Um, and of course, with all these adults, Piatari is the only one who knows what's going on, and they want the kids. So they go when they go running into the building, they find all of the missing furnaces. That, you know, they, the first thing they found wife's was his wife's dryer. hair dryer, <laughs> and there are all these furnaces and ovens, and they're trying to thaw this giant rock, right, or this giant block of ice. And all we see are those 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 massive horns, which we don't actually see Santa. But the horns are enough to give you a whole, and the, 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 just the, the sheer size of Santa is enough to be, holy crap, this is terrifying, right? Yep. I, don't, I don't think if they had melted Santa, he would have been more frightening than what we saw there. No, Correct. The fan of the shark in the first Jaws movie, when you see it in the Absolutely. second one, you, you see all the hydraulics in it and you realize like, oh, that's just a big piece of rubber. But just that fin and those darn barrels in that first movie, it's a lot more. Absolutely. The, the horns are the, are the fin. That's, so, why I like the movie, that's why I like the movie The Village so much when I first saw it. We didn't actually see what they were afraid of. Not To me, not seeing the monster is, is much scarier because what I'm going to imagine in my mind is far worse than what they're going to show me because nine times out of ten what they show me has some serious cheese attached to it. 
Yeah, let's be honest, funny. Adrian Brody's you know face is a lot scarier than whatever they were dressing him up in. in that movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know that new you show type? Julia has a huge crush on Adrian Brody. Well, no, apologies to the Adrian Brody thing. <laughs> So you, so you know that new Showtime miniseries, The Comey Rule? It was two episodes. Yeah. Jeff Daniels and yeah. Matt I. Moody, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Uh, so I was reading the behind-the-scenes stuff, how they structured that. So it's four hours, two hours each night. And the first night, you don't see Trump at all. And they said they took that cue, the cues from Jaws. Like, you would only see glimpses of him from behind. They would talk about him a lot. And he's just back ground presence like marching toward Washington like they described him like Godzilla marching into the city that everyone's terrified it's getting closer and closer and you don't see him at all until the second half but they specifically called out Jaws and Jaws 1 that Jaws 1 was scarier because you didn't see the monster until yeah. the end. 100%. What I think is funny though is and we all know this now though is that if if it had all worked the way it was supposed to, you'd have seen that shark in every scene. Like, it was oh, in know. every scene. It's just the fact that it didn't work that they had to come up with something else. I so, mean, it, I, so what I'm saying is that Joss 2 is really what Joss was supposed to be. And Spielberg is happened, not above cheesing it up. Well, I, Spielberg I mean, got like, lucky act, in the first Jaws. Spielberg well, he got, got lucky with lucky. Jurassic Park too. Like, one of the most iconic scenes in that movie was when the T-Rex crashes the car. Yeah. Crashes, uh, through the sunroof of the Jeep with the kids, and that was an accident. The animatronic, they lost control of the animatronic, and he crashed through the glass, so the kids' reaction was real because this giant animatronic T-Rex was coming at them, which was not scripted and a complete accident and turned out to be one of the best scenes in that freaking movie. Yeah. Well, let's not kid ourselves. Steven Spielberg doesn't get lucky. Steven Spielberg makes huge mistakes that just happen to work out for him, like taking a steady cam and putting it on a boat and being surprised that the dailies make people throw up. <laughs> That's an excellent point, Rod. Well, he, what was it? What movie was I reading about? Like, oh, I was, the Jurassic Park series. He always says, like, he, had, he self-admits his sequels suck. And he said it's because the first ones, he always gets lucky and things don't go as planned. And he can never capture that again when, things, when he has a bigger budget in the sequel and he, everything goes right. Which I found funny. He's self-aware about that. Yep. But um, you mentioned... Krampus kind of we were talking about Krampus one of the things I love about this movie and I said on the film strip podcast it's the same thing I loved about Krampus it's this it's truly a fairy tale over like a horror movie over anything it's a fairy tale told by this little kid's point of view it's this Christmas cautionary fairy tale and that's what I loved about it I think that's part of what makes both of these movies so special and for me both of those movies making my christmas canon list because christmas is about fairy tales and that's a that's a season for me it it feels to yeah. me like this is the grim the brothers grim version of the fairy tale mhm yep absolutely the more violent uh, horrific version like and, where the little mermaid dies i yeah. listen to the i listen to the podcast tales um from parkour and I listen to it pretty much every week when I'm doing something, and it's always the dark side of the fairy tales, their dark origins, and this fits in line with it. Mm-hmm. It also makes me realize just how sanitized we've made everything for our children in America. Well, oh, yeah. Coca-Cola, right? We, we Coca-Cola made it, it. We made it completely accessible, and then, you know, 
<laughs> once you dig a little bit deeper into it, it's, uh, I mean, I, I love to tell people, you know, I grew up in church and still go and, and all of that. And I tell people all the time, like, if, if you love Game of Thrones, you really should read the Old Testament sometime because that's Game of Thrones. It yeah. really is. With no dragons, but the violence is all there. If that, well, that's dragons, what you're looking for, translation. you can find it. I mean, it's very true. So Depending on your translation of the Psalms, you can find dragons. True, true. I don't know about what translation you use. We go with the King James down here, boy. Anyway, <laughs> so real quick, I get heaters and maybe ovens, but why the hair dryers? Like I, hair dryers can get pretty hot, but can they actually melt blocks of ice? Is that enough to really do anything? Or and were they there to keep the children that were the snack or sacrifice for Santa warm? while they melted the ice well it's it's easy it's easy jay i can tell you i can tell you this one uh from living in a place where it, get, it does get cold enough for my doors to freeze uh the hair dryer is a great way to get the door open especially if your lock freezes up it's, didn't know that but the easier way of either. course is to to get a bucket of to get a bucket of cold water and pour it over the door mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot easier than that's the hair dryer but the hair dryer works mess, great though, if it's like uh like if you've got a I used to have a padlocks on my gates and those would freeze shut. So I would just drag the extension cord out and hook the hairdryer up to it and unthaw my padlocks. Okay. Wow. That's a fair answer. Learned but what I don't understand it, is. It, yeah. It does not get that cold in any of the places I've ever lived. So I have no <laughs> point. And, and when it does, the state shuts down for like six days. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, looks like some white stuff might fall from the sky. Everybody go home. Yeah, my, my, my co-producer, Brian, uh, lives in Minnesota where, you know, it just stays eight feet of snow on the ground. And one day he texts me and says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm off work because they thought a snowstorm was coming through. He said, did it actually snow? I was like, well, not, not yet. He said, I only shoveled about six feet of it out of the way on my way to the office today. And I was like, well, that's because you live where you do and I live where I do. So we spend uh, our municipality <laughs> money on uh, killing mosquitoes and y'all spend it on snowplows. So there we go. Still think the snowplow people win over the mosquitoes every day of the week. Yeah, I would yep. take that as well. Oh, yeah. they've got mosquitoes from hell up there. <laughs> oh, from the from the lakes, huh? All, all mosquitoes yeah. are from hell. Let's just they're they're like eight weeks of summer is just a mosquito frenzy because the mosquito life cycle is compressed into that eight weeks. So it's just like you go from snow to mosquitoes to snow again. The mosquitoes are like we're yoloing it, y'all. <laughs> so, so the other thing I, I have a like question about, about what happens here. Oh. No, go on, Tom. I have another question. I get so so. Uh, Piatari has the idea that you know all of these these Santa elves are busting things down. They're moving the stoves and the radiators to the walls. Nobody's listening to him. He shoots his gun to get everybody's attention. He's like, "All right, so what we need to do is go steal that helicopter." And we need to fly all of these kids out of here. I get that, right? They put them in a net and fly them. Why do they keep them in the bags? Imagine how hard that would be to breathe in a bag with 13 other kids piled on top of you. Like, some of those kids died. I'm sorry. They, they didn't all survive that flight. Keep them crawling out of the flying net. That's why they're still in the bags. Do you want to suffocate or do you to want to freeze them. to death? That's your two choices. Because they didn't yeah, snatch no. these kids dressed for the cold. They snatched them out of pajama barefoot bed. Yeah, and flying uh, yeah, at what, 20, 20 to 30 miles an hour in the snow and the somebody's so, getting Pia, a spike. Piatari's the total, you know, BA kid here. He's 
hanging on the net and flying because again, like Ron said, these are free range kids. They can do it all. And while he's doing that, you know, they're, they're drilling into the ice where Santa is and loading it with, with dynamite. But they do take the time to cut off his horns, which is pretty freaking awesome. Look, yeah. any, any good reindeer you have to. slaughterer, I was, I was proud of that. I'm like, man, if I'm blowing this up, I'm hanging that on the front of the house. That's I mean, right. Yeah. yeah, I think you're going to have to, re- I think you're going to have to stabilize your entire house to support the weight of it. Uh, the, 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 each of the, the horns are larger than the truck, but they're in the bed of the truck and people are riding with them as they go away and, and blow up Santa. Maybe he's going to use them at the front of his, his gates. Like, That's you know, epic. You come to my house. The, where the, look for the horns. I'm the third on the left. You're, <laughs> you know, and somebody's going to think twice before they do anything to your house if you've killed something with horns like that. <laughs> True. That is, a, that, is, that, that is that. And so uh, Piatari realizes that they have to do something. He tells He tells the the pilot, hey, let's shoot him like reindeer, meaning let's get him back to the to the pen. And so they take all these old naked guys and lure them into the pen. And Piatari turns on the electric fence so they can't get out. And he thinks he's going to die. He says, tell my dad I did this. You know, it's a very heroic, heroic moment from this child. But at the same time, Santa blows up and all of these naked old Santas are just suddenly confused. But fear not because these are a commodity that we can trade. They immediately begin to think, hey, we have you know, all these Santas, how much is each one of them worth? And then they set up like a Santa boot camp where they're teaching all of these, maybe human, maybe not, I don't know what these elves are, how to be Santas, packing them up in boxes and shipping them to Tanzania. I love Old the Mar- one though that like gets a little rough with his cotton kid. Yeah. Whenever yeah. They're like, no. <laughs> So there but two things I really like about this film as well. One, it's not overly long. It's really economical storytelling. It's under an hour and a half. And they it didn't need to be shorter, it didn't need to be longer, it was perfect. It was it's a perp- it's a class in how to tell a streamlined story that hits all the right beats. Mm-hmm. And number two, um I like that it didn't just devolve into an action movie here at the end. Like a lot of it's a quiet talking type movie. And when you yes. get to the action beats, it's not like overly long. It's not out of place. They did the proper amount of buildup, the proper amount of, and then they made it last the proper amount of time. And I thought they re- did a really good job with that. Cause so many of these films, horror films in general, action films in general, fairy tales in general, beat you over the head with the action stuff at the end like they're doing so well until that last hour and then it's like why why do we need an hour for this and i thought they did it really well yeah they totally did totally agree with that it was heavy-handed where it needed to be like in a good way and my favorite thing about it was the father-son storyline um the lack of mom i even really liked you don't see that in movies right well, that's almost like a typical fairy tale. You look at all the Disney films, it really is lack of mom. Parents yeah. are dead. Yep. Parents are dead. Um, but I really, really enjoyed watching the dad struggle, right, to fill the void of two parents um, and learn how to do this thing, right? How to, how to raise a boy in this environment, given what he did for a job, given his friends who were all exactly like him and still let the kid be a kid, but also let the kid grow up. Um, yep. It's, it's just so beautiful. 
it's a really, it's not just pretty to watch. The story is just so nice. It's just such a nice story. And the ending is like, and I know I said this when we recorded the first time, the ending is like the absolute cherry on top. I was not expecting that when I was watching it at all. The whole time I was thinking like, I don't even know why this movie is called Rare Exports. Yeah. Um, but the last five minutes is just like <laughs> so good. So good. So creative. So fresh. So unexpected. So good. So good. So good. So good. And it had a Linus moment. Oh, yeah. For sure. I feel like the whole end is kind of a line of moment. These, in most films, you would kill all the, the elves, right? They would just be, you would just have to, they would die or something, you know? I mean, right. what are you going to do with them? They find a way to turn this these awful evil men who were eating reindeer and, you know, biting ears off of people into warm, loving Santas for Tanzania. Mm -hmm. Is there a large need for Santas to be imported to Tanzania? I don't, I don't really know. I don't think they all go to Tanzania. It's just the one. I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't think so I think either. Being but shipped out all over the world, right? Right. That's what we're supposed to get from it. But I was just wondering, like, how many Santas does Tanzania need? I don't know. Were there more than one box for Tanzania? Why they pick Tanzania for that? I don't know. You just had me, it just had me asking. But this film, like I could, I could too. Yeah, he did. That one Santa when box. boxing him up, he just looked sweet. He was just. I could, was, he had been completely like retrained. You could tell, like, yeah. I'm here for them all. You know, <laughs> where's the Starbucks? I'm ready. You know, I've I've been homogenized or whatever you want to say. What I th you know, the thing to don't tell what you were saying, Julia. Not only the father son relationships, but how the community of men yep. looked over each other's sons and children yeah. and they kind of took responsibility with each other. I, I really liked that. I thought it was neat. Mm -hmm. yeah. Me too. I liked it. A, I liked that a whole lot. You know, Ron, you brought up on this show before in a question of the week, movie double features. Mm -hmm. I think a fun Christmas triple feature would be this Krampus and Gremlins. Like that would be a fun night around the holiday season, the dark snowy night. Got to watch though where you put gremlins because that Phoebe Kate's monologue is like you got to be in the right mode for it. Oh man, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. still one of my favorite moments on our show. Remember, I could not get through that reading it out. <laughs> it was just so. I mean, she funny. has two iconic moments of eighty cinema for totally different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but and right there around the same year together too. They're like within a year of each other. It's a heck of a career. I, like I said, I agree with you. I would watch this and Krampus back to back in a heartbeat. It's one, you know, when my kiddo's a little older, I'll gladly let her see it. This, you know, despite, the, uh, <laughs> because, I mean, it's far less. I mean, there's a lot worse stuff. I'm with you. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff on TV that's far worse, far worse. Oh, absolutely. I'd rather, I'd rather see these innocent old naked man than watch children get eviscerated or know disemboweled on television i mean that's the european way i've brought that up on the show before they don't understand how we show such violence but won't show you know a little bit of nudity yeah this is the kind of movie made by a country with an active sauna culture yes that's right <laughs> yeah so it's not, this isn't nearly as big of a deal because I want to say this is the country where you get out of the sauna, then you go jump and roll around in a snowbank and then jump back into oh. the sauna. I think Doesn't this is sound one like of those hell, places. Julia? That does. It's fresh hell. That's awful. 
Mm-mm. <laughs> I did not like to be cold. Well, you wouldn't be for long because you jump back into the sauna. It's probably, I assume it's good for the skin or the blood circulation or just to keep people from passing out. <laughs> Maybe to let you realize when day and night is because aren't these the countries that have like 23 hours of day at some point? Mm-hmm. Is that this part of the world? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Because they are, mm-hmm. this is way up north. This mm-hmm. is North Pole. Yeah. North. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny that the beginning of this movie is that it's all triggered by the greed of a corporation, right? And that these, Mm -hmm. you know, local, small, you know, independent people rise up to take it on. And in the end, they become a corporation. (laughs) 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 There's a tale in that somewhere. That is a really good point, but you know, I, I just wonder. We've already established that these these elves are really hard to kill, and they don't seem to need food. Although they mm-hmm. do seem to enjoy gingerbread, but who doesn't? And <laughs> after watching this movie, I, I don't. really want to just yeah. go to town on a, on some gingerbread cookies. <laughs> um, now, here's the thing: they export these Santas to these countries. Are the Santas returned at the end of the year? Is this like a lease? <laughs> or you establish, or do you now have a puppy that you have to deal with all year long? That's a good question. I mean, that's why we need to add the sequel to our list, right? Is this answered in the sequel? It's not a sequel, though. You keep saying that. I think it's just a second short film. I don't think there's an actual sequel sequel, is there? I have no clue. I just saw that there is a follow-up. What a poorly researched podcast. (laughs) Not listening to this crap anymore. You're such a freaking troll. Yeah, I do not. There is not a sequel. There is the original short film, and then there was a follow up short film. Uh, One from 2003, one from 2005. And I don't see anything else, at least in the IMDb stating that there's another one coming which is sad because i could watch another one we've got some unanswered questions what happens if they dig a hole in antarctica and they find a giant mrs claus you know (laughs) i think you just wrote it that that sounds awesome (laughs) yeah i would be down for that there are plenty of of random mountains and Finland so I mean there's plenty of other Christmas creatures you could unearth especially from that part of the world where you've got your Krampuses and your Belschnickels and all those guys mm-hmm. uh, well Belschnickels yeah. about to make his appearance in the Christmas Chronicles too he is which I'm very excited for me too me too except for the elves just as long as they don't bring Jack Frost into the third one, because that just wrecked the whole Santa Claus Tim Allen series. No, they have yeah. to bring Krampus into the third one. That's the finale where Krampus and this Santa Claus, though, that's like having I don't know, I don't know. That just seems like you got two versions of peanut butter in the same pile. Like heat miser, snow miser, heat miser, snow miser. I think it's got to be someone that they don't have to pay. Uh, rights fees for yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so we better you know get something more obscure yeah 
So we all agree, Christmas movie, felt Christmassy, had a Linus moment. Yep. yep. Do we have quotes? Uh, <laughs> we went through one of the, my favorite ones already. Which was? The title Coca-Cola of the lied. Coca-Cola was a lie. Coca-Cola lied. Oh. Coca-Cola's yeah, a lie. <laughs> the name of this episode. I'm going to laugh my, my head off if we get some sort of email from Coca-Cola about that. <laughs> I believe the actual line, or at least the, the line I liked more, was the real Santa was totally different. The Coca-Cola Santa is just a hoax. That's right. Is that the line, the full line? It is, or is it... It's hoax. Yeah, you're right. Coca-Cola. So if you say Coca-Cola is a lie, no one from the production company can sue you now. So see, you're saying. <laughs> I also enjoyed uh, Imo's last line where they are walking down the line of uh, elves that they're attempting to domesticate. And the one elf has thrown the child to the ground and is like trying to get the package, the Christmas package open. <laughs> yeah. And Imo says, nothing in there for you, fuzz face. <laughs> <laughs> Imo had some great. Imo had some great lines. I also liked it when he was uh, flying. He's like, "Have a happy, have a ha- merry Christmas, and a happy bloody New Year." <laughs> and and I kind of enjoyed his uh, English, where uh, yes, yes, he talks to yes. Riley, and it says, "Yeah, yeah, we are we are men. Let's do business." Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are men. I also like the, the super hokiness when after the explosion and um, where's hold on it's right after the explosion and um, Piatari is wondering why the 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 creepy elves aren't eating his face. He says what happened and and the pilot says the miracle of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I got to call that out, though. That was a practical effect, that explosion. Like, that's that looked really, for a movie that was made for pretty cheap, that looked really good. Like, that, that's did. impressive. Yeah, everything looked really good. Well, that's why I love about small budgeted movies. They, a lot, of, if you have a good director, they really know how to maximize that catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, well, they had to. I mean, they had, what, 1.8 million euros for this movie is all? Yeah. That's nothing. Yeah, you 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 you'd spend a lot of that just on uh, getting cameras that could withstand the cold, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and buying that many uh, stoves and radiators—that stuff's not cheap, y'all. Maybe Sears <laughs> was having a, a two for one. I mean, you, you get double you points on your Discover card. <laughs> Maybe that Kevin say- Smith did. You know, he just ran up a bunch of debt. <laughs> Hope for the best. I mean, they did save a lot of money on costumes, but, you know. That's true. They did. They did. All right. But they also probably Gentlemen. had to provide some sort of uh, lotion or ointment or something, because there's got to be a lot of, like, wind burn and and Oh, there chafing. has to be. A lot of chapping. Yes. So question for our guests. You know the you know the shtick. We do a, we rate these movies one to ten. Uh, while we would like to hear yours, you sadly know that it will not go towards the final score of the film. But we'd love to know if you were rating this movie into the decimal, the most infinitesimal decimal you want to get down mm-hmm. to. What would you rate this movie? Well, 
if if I was going to give this movie a rating, it's not a traditional Christmas movie. It has a lot of the elements of a of that you want from a Christmas movie. There's a nice Linus moment. It does have Christmas feels. There's a, that great father son relationship, just the relationship of the men in the town to the children of the town. Uh, but you know, not a lot of Christmas movies are are hanging dong. So um, I would or- probably. Go ahead. Or chopping off and taking relics of Santa either. That's not a common theme. Or blowing Santa up. That's another thing that doesn't happen a lot. That's true. Uh, you know, I don't remember a lot of Christmas movies with bloody piles of reindeer remains. But all that said, it's got a lot of... There are a lot of things that are really positive towards it. Uh, especially when it comes to that score. That score is one of my favorites. Um, that we've got to that I've had a chance to listen to, and it it pops up periodically on on a lot of the movie score playlists that I listen to uh, when I'm working. So I would give it a seven point five. That's nice for me. All right. Yeah, for for me, this thing is like my dad's old seventy four GMC pickup truck, right? Just kind of had a little bondo on it. You didn't were really sure what was going to happen when you cranked it up in the cold, but it was always reliable. It got you where you wanted to go. And if you put your foot on the floor, that V8 would hum like a sewing machine. So to me, this movie is like that V8. It's an eight. It's an eight just humming right along like it's supposed to. It gives me exactly what it promises to. And moreover, it has one of the best payoffs ever because to hide the the meaning of the title of the movie to the last five minutes and then to knock it out of the park like that got to give that props this is this is a straight eight for me guys julia how about you yep this one's a 7.98 for me on our list i gave krampus an 8.7 i would rank this an 8.2 I am looking doing mine in relation to Krampus, which I underrated and came in too low at a seven. I, I like this Krampus. one almost as much as Krampus, so I am going to go with a six point nine five, which gives us an average of seven point seven one, which puts us in tier two of our list. Seeing isn't believing; believing is seeing, which is very apt for this movie. And uh, <laughs> what number and, is it, uh, Anthony? It will come in at number 21, right under Krampus and right above All I Want for Christmas. So I think that's a nice solid rating. Yeah, good with that. I'm happy with that. You know, this, is, this was, like we said, this was a pretty untraditional Christmas movie. It does have elements, like Ron said, of a Christmas movie, but it veers a little bit and they, they, you know, gratuitous male nudity and uh, death of Santa that we're cheering for at the end. So let us know what you think. Chime in. We want to hear from you. We've got all of the socials available. You can go to those by going to tisthepodcast.com slash Facebook slash Facebook group, which is pretty active. You can talk to other listeners there as well, slash Twitter or yeah, slash Twitter, slash Instagram or slash Reddit. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. Did we get this right? Was there something we missed? And is this part of your Christmas canon? Um, we do have one piece of feedback I would like to read today. Can we 
Yeah, let's do that before Patreon. Go ahead. I will well, I pull it up. You just whisper that about your own comment, Anthony? <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. We got a very nice review from longtime listener Disco54, who wrote on Reddit, I love this film. It kind of gets marketed as a chase movie or an action film, but it's not that at all. Or at least 90% of it isn't. Lots of it is very slow moving and very blue, where nothing much happens, but really this is a film about fathers and sons and their relationships. It's about how sons look to their fathers for reassurance and how fathers try to reassure their sons and themselves that even though sometimes there are monsters under the bed, they can do what it takes to make the world right. My children aren't capable of expressing themselves emotionally due to them being autistic. So my parenting experience is quite different to a lot of other people's. So my take on this film is maybe a little skewed compared to other people's, but this is firmly one of my favorite Christmas films. Demonic naked Santas who encourage family ties, only the hardest heart couldn't shed a tear. Pray an American remake never happens because they'll rip all that's good and pure and true out of us. Amen. Look at all the heads <laughs> nodding. Everybody's agreeing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's great. That's a great review. It is. It's a good. Uh, it was. It was a good movie, and I'll be watching it some more. So, so, in addition to social media, we also have a Patreon, and on Patreon, we are right in the midst of Spooky Month. So every week until the end of October, we are releasing one bonus Halloween-themed episode on Patreon. By the time you listen to this, you will have heard me and Jerry Davila talk Freddy versus Jason, if you're a Patreon subscriber. And the week you are listening to this, you'll hear me, April Riley, Michelle Kidwell, and Charlene Lewis talking Scream. And... Next week, me, Todd Killian, Jerry Davila, Michael Crystalman, and April Riley talk Halloween, both the original and the 2018 version. And the final week, me, Tom, and Julie speak, talk Beetlejuice. So lots of great content coming up. So if you're not a subscriber, now's the time to subscribe. In addition to the Halloween stuff, we have an <laughs> election day special coming up yep. of, with Craig of Weird Christmas, in which we'll be talking... Uh, I Invented Christmas, the President Show Christmas special. Uh, <laughs> and we have stuff coming up for Thanksgiving, stuff coming up for Christmas. So, yeah, for as little as a dollar per month, you can get all these bonus episodes. No better time to join Patreon. Plus, if you are subscribed to the level where you get things in the mail, you will have mail from us before the middle of November. So, little pre Christmas warm up package coming your way or mail coming your way. Oh, okay. So the question of the week, and we kind of, well, Tom kind of answered it last week, but I'll read it again just for posterity's sake. Why do you think blockbuster Christmas movies have not really been the norm as late? And we kind of went over it. It's because we're so oversaturated, oversaturated with Hallmark and Netflix and streaming services that, you know, movie theaters are really going <laughs> to only exist for these big blockbuster movies going forward, sadly. And, uh, you know, it's hard to get an hour for something up there anymore. Our best movie theater in town just announced that they are closing. Temporarily. Warren? Yeah, Warren slash Regal. It's temporary. It's, They're not oh, it's just temporary? closing. It's temporary. Well, it's only going to be oh, okay. Warren, right, going forward? Because Regal is closing every theater for good. They're 
bankrupt. No, they're not closing for good. They're closing yeah, that's for temporary. now. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, I trust yeah, I trust sure. you, but like I thought I read it was Regal was just going out. No, they're bleeding money, so they can't they can't I mean keep people and they keep pushing movies back, so I don't know how movie theaters in general are going to survive. I mean, Hocus Pocus right. came in number two at the box office this week, which is crazy. Tenant is leading, which is a shame because Chris Nolan, I like everyone would have gone to see that movie opening weekend if it wasn't for this. But anyway, Christopher Nolan has handled this so poorly that I'm never going to see Tenant. Like I'm all. It's actually I'm coming. Off the Nolan trend. I don't care. I'm just, I love Nolan. I really do. It's actually hitting streaming and Blu-ray December, they announced. So, two months, we can see it. Mm. Well, I'm personally more excited for Borat, too. But. <laughs> uh, okay, now we're going to have the back, going back and forth about inappropriate crude humor and being sophomoric and too immature. Anthony always accuses me of it. I always accuse him of it. Borat, really? Or that's hilarious. I don't care what you say. No, I agree with you. Some of, some of it is too much. I'm not saying it's not, oh, but... Julia, you made my whole day. The thing I got texted yeah. from somebody today was that Warren Theater was closing, and that's the only theater I like going to. Yeah, it is only temporary as of now. Anyway. Omdalaw. Omdalaw. To be a little rain cloud, but temporary as of now. So we have a question of the week for next week, which I think is a fun question. And we can get Ron and Jay to answer it now since they're on the show and the three of us can think about it for a week. So we can put them on the spot. Question of the week from Mr. Gary Blauman again. Uh, if, if you had to rank your top three Christmas movie musical scores, how would you rank them? Now, is that... Now, musical score, not like songs, correct? Not soundtrack. So, not like songs. Yeah. So, the score. Who's not going to put Home Alone at number one or two? I think Home Alone is going to make everyone's list, honestly. Home Alone was, is definitely on my list for sure. It's what a iconic. Strong candle so, for a Christmas story. I love that music. Yeah. I love, music too. I love everything about that. It just puts you know me what? in a complete mood when I hear it and hear the all the all the way they string it all together and then Gene Shepard's booming beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. Give me give me so, all that. So Gary Blauman actually provided his answer and I actually Wait, wait, I'm that... just going to say this and I didn't think I'd ever say this. But hearing Jay talk so highly about the score has me going willing to go back and watch Toy Scotch uh uh Christmas story Christmas again. Story. Well, eventually we're going to have to hit that for a live watch because a lot of our listeners want us to. Because it's one of those classic ones. Mm-hmm. I volunteer as tribute if you need extra hands on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you guys would be awesome to have on a live watch. So definitely. Live but, watch, we just invite a bunch of people to sit on, the, sit on and watch a movie with us. Yeah, just do a commentary. Then release on Patreon. Lazy the, uh, content. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> For the for those of you who are interested in what the live watch might entail, uh, there's a live watch on the Jim Carrey Grinch that I was involved with that I thought was a lot of fun. Yes, uh, thank you, Rob. That I'm not listening to. Oh, that's why we that's why we started trolling you like heck the minute you dropped off because we knew you would have listened. 
Yeah, um, Anthony said you guys can say whatever you want to about Tom. He's never going to listen to this. And then he just launched into the most most hateful and obscenity filled tirade I've ever heard. It was amazing. He turned into that Tony so, from the street. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> so Gary Blauman's. <laughs> it makes you feel good, Tom, that Anthony thinks about you even when you're not around. I know he does. I have, I have that effect on people. It's, it's not something I take lightly. I mean, it's my cross to bear in life. So Gary Bauman's answer to his own question, Home Alone, Disney's A Christmas Carol, which we did talk about. We loved that score. That was the best mm -hmm. thing about that movie. And A Charlie Brown Christmas, which mm -hmm. I think that one, oh, so many good Christmas movie scores when you think about it. So I Vince Giraldi. Yep. I need a week to finalize my top three for sure. And you'll make it four or five. Uh, I'm I not Jerry. I I'm I'm gonna want to say I think two. I know two of mine. That third one's gonna be the hard one to pick. Yeah, I know two of mine too. It's the third one narrowing it down. So maybe I will pull a Jerry and do a runner up and a runner up to the runner up and a runner up to the runner up to the runner up. <laughs> what do we have next week, y'all? Next week we are covering. I don't know what year this is, but. The made-for-TV film, A Munster's Scary Little Christmas, which, not the original cast, so not as excited about that as I thought I would be. And the week after that, we are covering a horror movie set at Christmas. Is it a Christmas movie? The Conjuring 2. No, it's not. Hey, hush! I will not accept any bad... I will go on the biggest Anthony rant to defend that movie. I will go on my that I will die on that hill and then be possessed by that demon nun. I will die on that hill. It makes this a little less painful every week then. If we just leave you up there on that hill by yourself. It's like the hill from this movie. You gotta dig like fifteen hundred feet deep to find him. <laughs> You know what? I speak for the people. Only 1,800 hours left until Christmas. Tom with his, like, really abrupt ending. I love non-sequitered uh, uh, segues. And you had such a good segue earlier, and now you got to just ruin it. No, you're, you're on the wrong week, aren't you? No, you're not. No, I'm not. You know, I don't. I don't know how I can ruin it when I have such good news. Like only eighteen hundred hours until Christmas. That's getting pretty close. It's only seventy-five days. I guess I better start that, shopping. That's only ten weeks. It feels Crazy. a little nauseating when you say ten weeks for some reason. Yeah, so I start to get the anxiety, like all the stuff I have not done yet. I know, <laughs> really including some bonus episodes I want to get scheduled that I have to corral you guys for. If you mention them one more time, I'm not doing them. I'm just not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Not going to do it. Uh, Ron and Jay, thank you so much for coming on tonight. It's always a joy to talk to you um, on your podcaster hours. Um, this will not be the last time. We hope you'll join us. Um, oh, we, all, we us already agreed that raccoon movie. They're coming back. I mean, I'm, I'm game for whatever. Um, Y'all are wealth <laughs> of knowledge and very, very well researched on your podcast. Um, <laughs> 
Remind us again where all of our well, listeners can go to listen to more of your content. That's not just the podcast stuff. Your thing. You can go to filmstrippodcast.com. That's where you'll find links to all of our podcast feeds, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're there. We're on it. You can follow the show's social media at filmstrippod on Twitter and Instagram or filmstrippodcast on Facebook. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at jskipworth, which is my name, and Ron will tell you his stuff in just a bit. But a um, little special thing. I'm going to drop this just on y'all's episode. We haven't even told Filmstrip listeners this. We're doing something at the end of the year here we've gone back in our archives and unearthed about 40 episodes that we didn't re-release when we kind of updated our feeds a couple of years ago. We're going to put them back in the pile. So Ooh. in addition to all the cool oh. stuff you're going to get in December, um, we're going to have a lot of classic episodes. Um, oh, that's awesome. You'll get like restored, like the entire old Batman series, all the Harry Potter movies, <gasps> some other stuff that we did from way back in the day like the original days of film strip before it was even called film strip so we'll be dropping that in uh, the end of the year so just subscribe and check us out and we appreciate it and always a blast to talk to y'all and glad to be here and this is a lot of fun and i this is a a joy every week your show is a joy every week for me just to get to listen to and put on and just kind of forget about work and all this other stuff i can just get into the christmas mood with y'all every week and i really appreciate it so thank y'all for having us on I, and I'm, I'm just podcast. gonna hop in and say that like that makes me really happy because I love your podcast. So I'm glad you <laughs> like ours so much. So. Was your was your were you? I saw in my my let me say that over. I saw in my feed that y'all did recently, like in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Ten things I hate about you. Were you on that one, Jay? I was on that one. Yeah, we did. Uh... We did three back-to-school movies, if you will. We did 10 yep. Things I Hate About You. Uh, we did a movie called Back to School with Roddy Dangerfield. And then Ron and I did a, a more obscure movie from the 80s called My Science Project. Um, there was a lot of I don't know that one. About, so, yeah. Yeah, it would be it's, – it's very offensive to Anthony because Fisher Stevens does the most Brooklyn-Italian greaseball accent that I've ever heard in a movie. Yep. Wow. He makes yeah, Andrew Tice Clay look subtle and restrained. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's free on YouTube. You go watch my science project. You've all seen the lead actor in it because if you've seen the beginning of Top Gun, he's the, he's the pilot that freaks out that uh, lets Maverick go to Top Gun. So John Stockwell is his name. He's a good director, too. Huh. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, we, yeah, we did those uh, back in the day, Tom. Yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You, though, is a particularly fun one. And I know you guys talked about Beetlejuice. Ron and I had a, a very similar <laughs> experience with Beetlejuice. We recorded that with our, our co-host and friend, Irina. Uh, it went on for about three hours. We released about an hour and a half of it. But it's, uh, <laughs> most of the podcast is like This Old House meets Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and occasionally talking about Michael Keaton. So if you're down for that, <laughs> Film Strip is for you. All I could say as a preview for listeners who might be listening to our Beetlejuice episode on Patreon, I think it's going to be quite unpopular with a lot of people. I'll just hey, leave Ron. that as a hint. Yes. Ron, if we want to hassle you on social media, how do we do that? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at HollywoodRon or you can go to denofgeek.com and leave harassing comments for me in the things that I write over there. I've just done uh, 
in two weeks, I've cranked out about four features on The Walking Dead, uh, a spoiler-free review of the first two episodes of The Walking Dead World Beyond, a review of the first episode of World Beyond, a review of the season 16 or the season 10 episode 16 finale for the mothership walking dead and i will be covering world beyond throughout the month of october until that is done and then i will be jumping on to the six bonus episodes for season 10 and it will just be me talking about the walking dead long after the world has been abandoned to the zombies Just before the first snow of winter falls, they begin their work. Professional hunters with astonishing skills, refined throughout the centuries, passed down from father to son. Following their instincts, they head for the wilderness of Lapland. The team consists of three undisputed craftsmen of their trade. A tracker, a marker, and a sniper. They spread fear amongst every living creature because of their skills. They are the very best. They make no sound as they move below the northern wind, for it is well known that the prey can hear the faintest rustle from miles away, and is constantly aware of the smell of human beings. Years of dedicated training have polished their senses to feel the terrain beyond belief. Their sophisticated eyes can spot the target from miles away. Proxy 4, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28,